Well, we had a uh, great Christmas Eve service here at North Haven. It was just a great time of being able to celebrate and reflect on Jesus Christ and the reason for the season. And uh, we had some technical difficulties if you were here for the service. Um, but uh, we had some of our people come yesterday and get it all worked out. It's just an incredible group of volunteers. Can we give them a round of applause and thank them so much for their efforts? Really appreciate that. But the Christmas Eve service, like, like I said, was fantastic on Thursday, and uh, um, man, it's just a, such a privilege to have Alyssa here and to have her lead us in worship, and uh, her husband Andrew as well. It's just a, uh, great to be able to, to, to do that and to have those experiences. And I hope, too, that your Christmas is just a, a little bit silly at times, too, or, you know, not only Christmas, but life. Life should be silly sometimes. I mean, I, I hope that that's the case for you, that you're willing to have spontaneous craziness. Just uh, last night, my family and I went to Stillwater, downtown Stillwater. Anybody seen the Christmas lights there yet in downtown? If you do, if you, you got a moment, check it out. Um, they're going to have them up through March. Uh, so it's really cool, really, real pretty. Um, and we went, and my son was just like blown away that we could literally rock across the bridge and end up in another state. <laughs> he was just, he thought that was like, crazy, ridiculous. And then we had an impromptu snowball fight, did we not? That was pretty awesome. We had a crazy silly snowball fight. And I hope that this winter you can have some crazy silly snowball fights. I got a good one on my daughter. Got, all went down her coat and everything inside, and it was just, it was awesome. So I was able to do that one. She got me back, though. She got me back. Um, but I, uh, I'm just excited to be able to be here once again. I hear we on this, uh, this Sunday, and we got a several things that we're going to do, but uh, uh, what I'd like to, to, to uh, get us really focused in on here and, and talking about as we think about 2021, you know, many of us, if not all of us, are ready to put 2020 behind us, are we not? 2020 hindsight vision, that's what we're, that's what we're shooting for. But let's not kid ourselves. I'm not trying to burst anybody's bubble or make anybody feel, you know, down or in the dumps here today, but 2021, it's not like we're going to wake up on January 1st and it's going to be all like wine and rainbows. Uh, 2021 is going to be a little difficult. And, you know, hopefully, over the course of that year, we're going to experience some, some semblance of normalcy. We're going to have little tidbits of things that we remember uh, back what we feel like is 10 years ago, but was really 10 months ago. We're going to start seeing those things come to fruition, but it's going to take some time. But even as things become, quote-unquote, more normal, there are some things that are going to be lingering even beyond that. You know, this year has been tough. It's been tough as a, as a church. We've had to kind of figure out you know, who are we, what are we doing moving forward, how are we doing ministry, what are we not doing, all that stuff. We've had to figure that in real time, but then we as, as individuals and families, we've had to figure that out as well. You know, there are, there are kids who have been literally suffering through the school year, the school year the end of last school year and the beginning of this school year, and those are going to have some lingering effects here in the months and, and probably years to come. There are, if you go to any downtown area, you can see businesses that are, that are um, up for lease or closed down, and you know, those are things that are going to be lingering for months and years to come. 
We've had relationships, families that have, uh, that have somewhat deteriorated, whether it's through isolation or whether it's through division that's come from any number of things, COVID and the masks or political, the political climate, a lot of things that have, uh, that have caused those separations, and those are going to have some lingering effects. So let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Yes, 2021 is hopefully we're going to verge on, like I said, some semblance of normalcy, but it's still going to be difficult. And why, why am I telling you this? I, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not trying to depress anyone, but other than just give, our, give all of us a, a sense of uh, understanding and reality as we look at the now and then as we hope for the future. We talked on Thursday about hope and how hope is, is confident expectation. Hope is not just a wish. You know, wishes are, are different. I gave the example on Thursday. Um, you know, we use word, uh, the word hope flippantly, uh, something like, like, I hope that the Vikings will win the Super Bowl before I die. That's literally not a hope, right? That's a wish that will never be granted, but it's a wish nonetheless. Hope is a confident expectation. That's completely different. Hope is an informed expectation because it's been realized in the past. So God has the monopoly on hope. When I talk about hope, when we talk about hope, it should be in the context of God's hope because that's really the only hope that exists. Hope outside of God is not hope. It is just a wish. Because God is the only one that can provide confident expectation. Because God has been faithful. God has been present. God doesn't change. He never falters. He never fails. He is always constant. He is always true. And so when we have confident expectation, when we have hope in God that he will provide this or do this or lead us in this way, we can say that with confidence as we look expectantly. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 27, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to that. If not, don't worry. It'll be on the screen behind me. But Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 27, the 11th chapter of Hebrews is kind of like the hall of fame. It's talking about the faith of some of the bigwigs in the Bible, Moses being one of them. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 27, verse 24, by faith... Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, we're not going to talk in this message about the historicity of Moses. Um, that's not really important. Uh, it's not important as to um, who his original family was and what all that happened. That's for another day. What's important is what comes a little later. In verse 25, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the, the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. And this is the key. Because he, Moses, was looking ahead. He was looking ahead to his reward. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the, king, or not fearing the king's anger. Moses persevered because... He saw him, God, who is invisible. So two things. One, 
because Moses was looking ahead to his reward, and two, Moses saw God who is invisible. So my question for you as individuals, but then maybe more specifically for this church, as we think about North Haven, are we as a church, are we looking forward to our reward? Do we have those same eyes that is, that is displayed as, as Moses having possessed? Are we seeing, are we looking forward to the reward? Are we seeing God? And remember from Thursday as we talked about hope, hope is remembering the presence of God in the past, remembering the faithfulness of God in the past, and then living expectantly for what he will do in the future. So it's remembering the faithfulness of God in the past and using that to inform our confident expectation of what he will do in the future. Oswald Chambers, um, anybody read any of Oswald Chambers' works? Fantastic, utmost for his highest, highly recommend it. Uh, He was was a theologian, and, and, and he says this. He says, once we lose sight of God we begin to be reckless. So once we, once we refrain, once we, once we stop looking confidently with expectation as to what God will, will do as we move forward as a church and as individuals, once we stop doing that, we begin to be reckless. So we don't want to lose sight because we don't want to be reckless. So this year, 2021, we're going to be focusing on three things as we, as we venture into God's vision for our lives, but then more specifically for this church, we're going to be looking at three things. The first thing we're going to be doing is we're going to be praying. We'll dive into this here a little bit, but the second thing we're going to do is decide. And then the third thing we're going to do is dream. Pray, decide, dream. And in doing so, we're going to build our church family on a solid foundation. What did you want to be when you grew up? Anybody, I know some of you are still growing up, but, but what did you want to be when you grew up? Anybody want to just shout it out? Who's brave? Huh? A fighter pilot. Are you a fighter pilot? <laughs> I'll take that as a, uh, no. All right. Fighter pilot. Who else? Yes. A veterinarian. Nice. Anybody else? What did you want to be when you were growing up? Or what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a kid? A teacher. And are you a teacher? Oh, pitter-patter. That's wonderful. I wanted to be an actor slash rock star. And I, I lived out that fantasy in my bedroom as I would take the robe tie and tie it around my tennis racket. And I would stick up my, my hockey stick and use it as a microphone. And I gave the best concerts. It was awesome. A lot of us, a lot of us, we don't end up being who we wanted to be when we were kids. And even if we do, even if we do, we often then find ourselves wondering, then why aren't we happy? 
When it snowed on Wednesday, the blizzard, right, that we had, I don't know, uh, you know, on a scale of like one to ten on blizzards, whether, whether that's super high, but based on what the winter's been like, that was just, uh, that was crazy. And I remember being here on Wednesday and seeing that blizzard outside my, my, the windows here and thinking several things. One, I got to drive home in that. Two, I'm going to have to snow blow that because my family's not doing that. I'm doing that. I'm thinking about all these things. As a matter of fact, that blizzard actually knocked down a quarter of our fence. So Merry Christmas to us. That was awesome. But my son was seeing something completely different. When it started snowing outside, he couldn't have been more excited. He was so thrilled. A white Christmas. Not only is it a white Christmas, but we're going to be able to go sledding. We're going to be able to build snowmen. We're going to do snow angels. We're going to have snowball fights. Children have an amazing way of seeing past what is visible and instead seeing what is invisible. And we lose that when we become adults, don't we? We lose the ability to see what's invisible. We lose the ability to have a vision, to see beyond our circumstances, to see beyond our now, and to then see what God has confidently for us in the future. So we need to have a vision. But it isn't just simply to have a vision. We need to have the right vision. And the right vision is God's vision for our lives and for our church. And so the first key ingredient to having the right vision, that is God's vision, for our lives and for this church, is to pray. And when I say pray, a lot of things come to your mind. I get it. And even the way that we act when we pray isn't really what prayer is supposed to be. God wants to hear our cares and our concerns, but if you look at Scripture, especially if you look at the life of Jesus and you see how he prayed, predominantly he was listening and asking questions. He wasn't telling God. He was listening. He was hearing See, in order to see God's vision for our lives and for this church, we have to listen. An all-too-familiar passage in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, is about the building a house on the rock in the sand. Let me read it to you. Verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and then puts them into practice, more about that here in a minute, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who has built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, And the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, the first thing mentioned here is hearing, listening, praying. 
That's the first thing we need to do as we discover God's vision for our lives and for, and for this church, because the storm will come. That's what another thing this passage says. So what's interesting is that building on rock, the literal act of building on rock is done in anticipation and recognition that the storm will come. Building on a rock means security, it means firmness, it means it will stand. That means that there are things threatening that would cause it to not stand. So building on rock is done in anticipation of the storm. It doesn't say that the wise man built on rock in case a storm came. Rather, it says the storm came in that it will come, the storm. And it's hard to build on rock. Anybody tried that? It's hard to build on rock. It's actually much easier to build on sand. That's why so many, so many of us find ourselves crumbling. So many relationships crumble. So many, so many uh, circumstances uh, crumble because, because those foundations are built on sand because that's easier. I get it. But if we want to stand, we've got to build on the rock that is Jesus Christ. Building on a rock requires a lot of hard work, and it also requires a listening ear. We need to listen. We need to have active listening ears. So the question we need to ask is this. Are we listening to God's voice? And then if we were to listen, what would he say to us? And then do we really want to know what God's vision is for our lives? Do we really want to know what God's vision is for this church? And then are we willing to follow? This is something that I pray a lot. You've heard me say it many times. God, show us what you want from me or from us, and then give us the courage to do it. And here's a prayer that I challenge you to, to, to pray, but it, it, is, it is a, your prayers should be questions. <laughs> How many of us as parents love it when our kids ask us questions? Sometimes when the questions get to about 20 to 30 or 40, we wish they would stop. But we like questions. God wants to hear questions because he wants to provide the truth. He wants to provide answers. And here's a question that I dare you to ask God. God, what is something that you want to burden my heart with? What is something that you want to give me a passion for that would cause me to be so compelled to act that I can't resist? Have you ever asked God to give you a burden for someone or something in your life? If you do, he will never fail to, to act. Oswald Chambers says, the proof that we have the vision that God wants for us is that we are reaching out for more than we have already grasped. But it's not, only, it's not enough to just listen. It's not enough to just listen. We know that from personal experience because every January 1st, many of us say, this year, this year I'm going to eat better, I'm going to work out, and then we get two or three months down the road and none of that happened, right? Because it's not enough to just say, I'm going to do that. Or yes, I have a vision for my life. We then have to decide. 
We have to decide. Because having a vision, once that vision is revealed to us, to us as individuals and then as a church, we have to then move towards it. We have to move towards it. And a helpful way for us to then move towards our vision that God has for our lives is to, is to make a monument. Have you, ever, have you ever held on to something for months or years in order to remind you? When my wife and I were first dating, we had a, we had a, um, a long-distance relationship, like many couples do at the outset. And one of the things that we did leading up to the time that we got married is we began keeping a journal. And we both got these journals from one another. And the one that I had was all the things that I would write and, and think about and talk about. And the one that she had would be things that she was thinking and, and writing about and wondering about. And then we would get together either on the phone or in person and we would ask ourselves these questions. You remember this? And we would talk about things like, okay, what would, how would we raise our kids? Uh, what would we do with our finances? Um, what, what, are our, what are our thoughts about the kind of neighborhood we'd like to live in? What kinds of things would we want to do as a family when we have kids in order to keep Christ at the center? We, we had these conversations. And then what we did is when, right before we got married, we gifted those to one another. And so we both have each other's journals that we spent time writing as a monument, as a monument to this vision that we had received for our marriage and our family. And then that monument was helpful in, in, in allowing us to move forward, to move towards that vision to decide. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, it says this, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets. Write it down. Write down that vision. Verse 3, For the revelation, the vision, it awaits appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. I'll get more into that here in a minute, but write down the vision. So as a church, as, an in, as individuals and as a church, we need, to, we need to go through a process, and I want to suggest one to you. As we work through this process of deciding, moving towards God's vision for our life and for the church, we need to develop a vision statement. And a vision statement, it comes from, from asking questions that are related to this, this statement here. We or I believe God wants me or us to what? That statement right there is the, is the, is the revelation of the prayer, the listening, the hearing that you and God or we as a church and God have invested in. God's made that, made that real. He's made that available. He's made that visible so that we know what it is. And then we are then moving towards this vision by saying, I believe or we believe God wants us or me to what? And we accomplish this by committing to the following. There are four things. The first is this. I believe that God wants me or our, we believe that God wants us to blank for the sake of each other. For the sake of other believers, for the sake of the body of Christ, for the sake of this church, we will what? 
You fill in the blank. For the sake of our community, for those that are outside of this church, we will, or I will, what? Blank. And for the sake of the unsaved, those who have not yet decided to follow Jesus and make him the leader of their life. For the Bible tells us that once we decide to follow Jesus, that we are saved, that we are then justified with God. We are made right, and we have this eternal relationship where we're eternally in his presence. But there are those who are unsaved, who are yet to make that decision to follow Jesus. And as of right now, are not guaranteed that eternity in the presence of God. So this vision, this vision that we believe that God wants us to blank, we have to ask the question or answer the question, for the sake of the unsaved, for the sake of those who do not believe, we will what? And then I love this one. When others see us, when others see you, when others see me, we want them to say they're a church or they're a person that what? What is that vision telling you? That vision that God has for your life and for our church, when others see us, we want them to say, we're a church that what? Or you're a person that what? This will help, this will help us create as individuals and as a church a movement towards that vision that God has made real to us through our prayer, through our listening, through our hearing. And then the third thing we need to do is we've got to dream. We do a really bad job of dreaming because we get so trapped in our circumstances in our past. We forget what, it's, what it means to look expectantly into the future. God doesn't want us to stop dreaming. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Going back to Habakkuk chapter 2, those verses that I mentioned later where it says the revelation awaits an appointed time. The reason why dreaming becomes so troublesome is because we live in a three-second Pop-Tart microwave world. What do we mean by that? In one of my messages, I showed you that on the back of a Pop-Tart box, it says that you can prepare them through a microwave if you nuke it for three seconds. If you need to nuke a Pop-Tart for three seconds, you have issues. we got to talk. We live in an expedient world where we expect immediate results. And if we don't get immediate results, we get really anxious, don't we? What happens when you send a text to somebody and they don't respond within an hour or two? Many of you get anxious. Why aren't they responding to me? Did I do something wrong? Are they mad at me? If you don't respond to a text or a Facebook message in a matter of an hour or two, you start getting questions. Hello, are you there? We live in this world, in this society, where we, we have this immediacy in our expectation of ourselves and of each other, but that's not how God works. 
God doesn't, God doesn't work in a physical or a fiscal calendar. He works in his time. And his vision for you will be realized. His vision for this church will be realized in what? In, in verse 3 of Habakkuk 2, the revelation, the vision awaits an appointed time. It will not prove false. Though it linger, what does it say? Wait for it. Dream about it. Visualize it. Because God will never prove false. Period. Vision is reaching beyond your grasp. As Paul says in Philippians 3, we need to press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Vision is not the now. God's vision for your life and for this church is not the now. Realizing God's vision for this place and for our lives will come at an appointed time and it requires patience and it requires anticipation. Scientific studies have come out that that reveal that you are actually at your happiest. You're at your happiest when you anticipate something. You're happier in the process of anticipation than you are when the moment that that anticipation is resolved. Have any of you bought a, a, like a, a, new, a new car or a new used car or whatever, and you get excited, you anticipate that purchase, that, that car, and then when you finally get it, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. The anticipation, that happiness is always greater. My son, my son anticipates with so much joy and happiness the coming Christmas day, and then he's excited on Christmas, but it's nothing Nothing compared to the anticipation. We need to live lives of anticipation, anxiously in a good way, waiting for God to do amazing things in his time. Because, again, Habakkuk 2, he will never, ever, ever prove to be false. And because he will never prove to be false, God's vision will never, ever disappoint. It will never disappoint you, and it will never disappoint this place. I've often talked about vision as, vision is not about creating something new. It's not about doing something new. Vision is about getting on board with what God is already doing. But oftentimes we're unaware of what God is already doing in, around us or in our lives because we become so consumed with the now and the past. But maybe God has a vision for your life that exceeds your expectations. Maybe God has a vision for you to get, to get uh, passionately in, involved in, in Christian ministries that are seeking to eradicate the sex trafficking industry in the world. Maybe that's a burden that God wants to place in your heart that you can't shake. You are compelled to act. 
and to be used in profound way in order to, to bring about the end of that injustice. And so you live a life of anticipation in recognition of that vision because you've asked God, he's told you, you've courageously now stepped forward in that and you're always looking forward, you're dreaming about how God can use you and what God can do through you in that endeavor. Whatever God's vision is for your life and for this church, it isn't happenstance, it isn't fate, it is divine. He is doing the work and he wants us involved. He wants to use you and me to change the world for the sake of Christ. That's what 2021 has in store. It's going to be difficult. Some changes are still going to occur, and and it's not going to be as immediate as maybe we had hoped it would be, but God still will never prove false. And we can wait in expectant confidence anticipating that a God who will always remain faithful and true will prevail, always, always. Father God, I pray for this place and for the people here, Lord, that you would reveal your vision to our lives, that we would come before you intentionally. Lord, that we wouldn't sugarcoat this, that we would do this for real. That we would ask that question, God, what's your vision for my life? What's your vision for this church? When we ask that question, God, you're not going to withhold that from us. You're going to reveal this to us. You're going to reveal this to us as individuals. You're going to reveal this to us as a church. So then it's up to us. Will we decide? Will we move towards that vision? Will we take steps to be a part of what you are already doing? And Lord, you don't want us to stop dreaming. You don't want us to to stop anticipating what, what our lives and what this place could be as we live out that vision that you have for us. So may we pray listen, hear you. May we move towards your vision for our lives in this church, and may we never stop dreaming about all that can happen and be done because of our faithfulness and commitment to the vision you have for us in our lives. We pray in your name. Amen. It's a a sad day, but an encouraging day nonetheless. Uh, It's our day that we're saying goodbye to the Mo family. That's what makes it sad. It's an encouraging day because God is doing a tremendous work in and through this family and will continue to do it beyond this place. And we look forward to seeing how this this unfolds. So for those of you who may not be aware, this is Alex and Amanda and their two kids, and they are, uh, they are leaving us. They've uh, been here now seven years. 
um, Alex as the youth pastor, and um, uh, Amanda was on staff as our office administrator for a time as well. Um, and Alex just recently uh, accepted a position at Westwood Community Church as the small group and discipleship pastor. And if you know Alex, you know that this is, this is a great opportunity for him because Alex has always been about relationship and especially that one-on-one discipleship relationship. Many of you in this room can attest to that, that even you have had times where you've been able to sit with him one-on-one and be encouraged by his wisdom and leadership and uh, discipling nature. And he gets to now use that in a, in, a, in, a, in a more profound way and have that be like his job, which is just so great. It's going to fit him like a glove. He's not only been the youth pastor and made a huge impact on students and young adults, but even over this last year and a half, Alex been, has been a very, very much a ministry partner with me over this last year and a half in helping minister to the entire church. It's not just the students or young adults. It's been everybody. And, and I am super sad to see Alex go. Um, when he told me, I told him two things. I said, Alex... Um, your job now over these next, oh, first of all, I, I, I said this stinks. Um, I wish this wasn't happening. But after I said that, I said, listen, there are two things that need to happen. One is, Alex, you need to finish well, and of course you're going to do that. And two, we need to honor you and your family. And, and so we've had an opportunity to do that in various ways over this course of this month, and then we're doing that yet again today. Um, so what I wanted to do is give Alex a chance to talk to all of you, to share um, some thoughts, and then um, maybe give you some specific things for you to pray about. Uh, and then we have a gift and a, a, just a couple of other items. Thanks. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, <Awesome>. my fault. <clears throat> um, well, I've uh, put a lot of thought into um, what to say and... Um, to be honest, I'm not, not sure uh, what to say. I'm, I'm just so grateful for this place. For the last seven years, we've, uh, we've built some really great friendships. Um, we have some really important relationships here. Um, it's been an absolute privilege of mine to be the youth pastor to the students here and uh, to watch many of those uh, young adults in the, in the back row back there uh, grow into who God has created them to be and to use their, their gifts uh, to serve not only this church, but God's kingdom. Uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been one of the great honors of my life, really, uh, being your youth pastor. Um, it's going to be tough to, to step away from that, but um, I know that God still has great things in store for you guys. Um, this place is, has become like home for us. It's the only church that you can tell they're comfortable here. Um, <laughs> it's the only, well, the only place that they've known, uh, you know, what they've, uh, everything they know about church is from this place. And um, I just want to thank you for loving my family so well, making us feel so uh, welcome here. I'm investing in uh, my girls. Um, yeah, I don't, wow, I don't know what to, I, <laughs> it's just tough, you guys. Um, just thank you for, um, it's a great uh, church family. Uh, it feels like home, and we're going to miss you guys. Definitely, 
definitely pray for Alex and Amanda and Brielle and Ashton. And as they uh, venture into this new ministry endeavor, let me just let you know for personal experience, one of the things that makes this difficult, and you can keep this in mind as you pray, is when, when you're working at a church, it not only is your job, of course, but it also is largely your social circle. And even though these relationships will continue, of course they will, it's going to be different. And they're entering into another church family, and that can be challenging. And so we pray, we pray that, that Westwood would certainly open their arms to this amazing family, but then we also pray that they would be able to courageously step into relationships and, and uh, develop them fast and find a place uh, for them there as well, and that God would provide and, and um, be with them during this, this time. So, um, Alex, I have been blown away by your maturity. I have been blown away. I mean, you're, you are a 70-year-old in a, in a late 20-some old body. Um, uh, but I, just the fact that you and I largely have been walking together over this last year and a half, and, and arguably what has probably been the, the toughest 10 months of any of our ministry careers, um, and uh, uh, you've become a good friend, and I'm going to miss seeing you here on a regular basis. I know that we'll still be connected, but it's, it's going to be different. And Amanda, Amanda, you were such a huge asset to this church. You came on staff. I don't know if you remember this, but Amanda came on staff as our office administrator, and you and I partnered up and saw things the same way. And you were in- incredible for me as uh, I was transitioning into a new place. It was so helpful to be able to have you alongside of me in that way. So thank you so much. And if we're being honest, we're going to miss these two girls more than we are the two of you. Um, but I'm just saying what it is, you know. See what I mean? See what I mean? No, that's awesome. Um, well, I'd like to invite our, our, our board chair, Cedric, uh, to the stage, and he has um, some words as well. There you go. Get that on. Whatever. Good morning. On behalf of the board and the church, I'd like to thank you, Alex, for your ministry here. You've been a blessing. Uh, You've been a blessing to our family as parents of youth, and so I thank you for that, and Amanda, and kids. uh, You've been uh, been great at this church, so I'm going to miss you a lot. Um, We were blessed. Alex started here as the assistant youth director, and we were blessed to have him here when our youth director left. He was ready, willing, and able to step in and and be our youth director and youth pastor. And uh, the kids have grown that he's uh, had um, in his program, and he's grown as a pastor and as a leader. And uh, I know the Lord has great things for you. We're, we're sad to see you go, but uh, we're glad you're going to continue in Christ's church and in the ministry. And uh, I know God has great things for you. So I'd like to please pray with me for Alex. Lord, we thank you for Alex and his family, Um, Amanda and the girls. We just thank you for the blessing they've been to North Haven. We thank you for Alex's ministry, and I just ask that uh, you would bless uh, Alex and his family. Your Holy Spirit would be upon him and empower him to do great things for your church and your kingdom as as he goes forward. We ask these things in Christ's name. So, Alex, we're going to miss you, but uh, we wish you well as you continue. We've got a gift for you here on behalf of the church to express our thanks for your ministry and our well wishes. So uh, we wish you well. Thank you.
Three things really quick. First is um, Amanda wants to share some words. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Um, three things. One is immediately following the service, we're going to have some time in the commons. Um, uh, there's uh, some individuals uh, that um, uh, would like to share, and, and uh, so we're going to have that opportunity out there. Uh, please join us if you'd like to uh, stick around for that. It'll happen basically in just a few minutes. Um, the second thing is in your worship folder, there are thank you cards. And um, love for you to just take a moment and write down a note of thanks and encouragement uh, for the Mo family, uh, not just Alex, but Amanda and, and uh, their kids, and that you would uh, either give that directly to them you can, or you can put it in the offering basket or you give it to one of the staff members. We'll make sure it gets there. Third thing, we're going to set a new precedent here with Alex. Um, I've made transitions uh, several times in, 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 in churches, and I've always received gifts. It's been wonderful. But as I've been thinking and praying about this, I'm like, you know, I, I really feel like we should be establishing something here that reminds us of Alex's uh, uh, ministry, and then to set a precedent for future staff members as well. So what we're doing now is any staff member who's been here five years or more, which certainly Alex fits the bill, um, we're going to plant a tree here on site in, the, in his honor, and, um, and we'll have a moment and a time to do that in the spring, of course, where we can uh, come together, invite the Mo family back, and, and uh, plant this tree together as a uh, living remembrance of uh, Alex and his ministry uh, to North Haven here. So, all right. Well, love you guys. Ready for some more tears? Yep. Here we go. God bless. We'll see you next week.